Welcome back to another episode of the Daily Emerald Sports Desk Report. We've been gone for a few weeks, but we're back after winter break and first few weeks of winter term. Um, I got Brady and Brennan on the pod with me today. We're going to talk a little men's basketball at the top. And then we got some signing day with football, some women's tennis talk because Brady's been covering that team. And then we got some Super Bowl at the end for you guys. Um, Let's start right with the men's basketball team. So this has been an up and down season for a group that's, you know, fought through an injury bug and been a little inconsistent here and there. They lose last night in Arizona, 91 to 76, give up a career high 40 points to Azulas Tubelis. And he was going crazy from from the get go. Nobody could really m- match his offensive prowess on the on the inside. Um, I think Dane Altman was talking about the one move that he got to every time. He said left hand, right shoulder. He was just dipping his shoulder inside of Infali Dante and getting that left hand layup, left hand hook shot, everything he wanted. Um, and the Ducks just really didn't have an answer. What did you guys think about his performance from the top? Yeah, Tubelis is that dude. I mean, that was evident last night. Uh, but what I saw was just an incredible shooting night for Arizona. You know, not just Tubelis. They were 53.4 from the floor and then 43.5 from three. And the Ducks just let him get to too fast to start. I mean, you blinked and they had 23 points. I think it was like three minutes in or something like that. So that's a credit to their team. Uh, they were definitely motivated after the earlier loss. Uh, there were also way too many fouls. On Oregon. I mean, at the top of the second half, they were at the line 18 times, the Ducks eight. So those penalties, especially on Nate Biddle, uh, that's got to get cleaned up. Yeah, the Ducks had uh, had Dante and Nate Biddle in foul trouble early. They both had three fouls pretty early on. And, you know, we got they put Kalel Ware in there. He was okay the first few possessions, and he was just overpowered by Dubellis. Um, so, yeah, the foul trouble was a, was a huge issue because you couldn't have Dante in there on the offensive side or the defensive side to stop Dubellis. And, Kind of moving on to where, like, he's been a, kind of a disappointment this season. It's just another one of those high-rated uh, recruits that's come to Oregon and not really impressed. What have you guys thought about his play recently? It's not really gotten a lot of minutes. I've heard a lot of talk about a bit of a lazy play from from where, which which I, I, I agree was disappointing because remember at the beginning of the season, we were talking about all the talent that they had with the bigs. We were, we were excited about this Biddle, Dante, Ware trio that was just going to kind of keep rolling and be interchangeable and maybe see all three of them on the court at the same time. And the Ware's playing time has definitely gone down, which could just be a freshman thing. And we're trying to we're trying to win big games. And so we need guys out there that have done it before. But I have been really impressed by Biddle stepping up. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if it's some of it's a confidence thing because he was getting a lot of play time when you had some of those injuries. You know, Cuisinart was out, Biddle was missing time. Uh, and then they came back, and then you saw his minutes start to fall off, and then he kind of just started going into that rut. So I don't know. I mean, they're still kind of early in the season. They've just started conference play. You can't give up on them now. I think they need to give him more minutes. But, yeah, we'll see. I know, Tubelis was just making Dante look silly in there. And I think Ware brings, like, length and athleticism that could have maybe limited that. But like you said, Aaron, he just got off to too poor a start. Well, yeah, and, and Brady mentioned it with, like, the kind of lazy play. There was a stretch where he came in, he had, like, a, two blocks, but then he gave up three offensive rebounds in a row to Tubelis, and Dana, like, pulled him right after that because he just can't be doing that. I think earlier in the year he had a stretch where he averaged, like, 15 games, 15 points a game against Utah, UConn, Michigan State, and Villanova. And I, I remember after that, uh, after that Michigan State game, like, Dana talked about how we're just getting him into the gear, and it looked like he was going to finally get some momentum, and then he just basically hasn't scored over 10 points maybe once since then. So I do think it's like, where does he fit in with Biddle and Dante both starting and then also having to play like Gurrier and Suarez? Like, where does he fit in? But he's a guy that you would have hoped to see on the court 
because of you know his prowess as a recruit, and he's just not getting that playing time. Suarez had a great game, and I don't know why they weren't giving Rigsby minutes because you had these guys like you know Bartholomew and Cuisnard who were like three for ten, just ice cold, and Rigsby got like seven minutes, ten minutes. I just think that you know, especially when you're playing number five Arizona, I'd like to see more adjustment there. So I don't really know what Altman was thinking in terms of that rotation, but. Uh, Rigsby is one. Rigsby and Suarez, I think, are two guys that you need on this team. Two guys that bring energy and and really run the floor. I think that's a good point. Yeah, Suarez had a good game, but Rigsby hasn't gotten over ten minutes in since the beginning of January. They just haven't right. gone to him at all since kind of Cuisinart's got into a rhythm, and he's a good scorer. But again, you you said it like he was kind of off last night. The only guy who really had any offense was Will Richardson and Suarez. So yeah, this this it, it kind of goes back to the inconsistencies because. You see them, you know, in mid-January put up, what was it, 87 points against Arizona, and then they're getting blown out of the water, albeit I know they, they put up 76, but they gave up 91 on the road. You just can't be doing that. Yeah, well, I mean, kind of going back to the Rigsby point, I think I think Rigsby is a great bench player. I think that if he's a guy that you, that you can bring off the bench and get some minutes and score some points, that's going to be solid for you. But I think if he's in your, if, I think if he's in your starting five, that's a bit of an issue for me to bring in like a baseball now. He's he, he's almost like your fourth outfielder. Like you need to have one that that can come in and play every now and then. But I think if he's starting every every day, you're gonna you you got some problems. Yeah. Well, I don't really have much more on the men's basketball team. Uh, is there any other points you wanted to hit? I just think they've been really inconsistent this year. I mean, if history tells us anything, they'll probably put up a hundred on Arizona State after after giving up ninety in early January. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there were definitely some positives. Like you said, they put up 76, which is enough to win a game. They just, you know, let Tubelis go crazy. Uh, but they're beginning to run the court more, which is good. I think overall there seems to be a greater sense of urgency, which is encouraging to see. I think that's a big strength of this team, considering the perimeter shooting really hasn't been there. Uh, and then also it looks like Will is starting to get his confidence back, which is good. He's shooting more shots, which they need him to do. Yeah, and actually before I move on, I just want— So I think they have a lot of, like, quote-unquote good losses— because um, a lot of them happened when they were uh, dealing with the injury bug. So if we're asking the question, can they still make the NCAA tournament? My answer is yes, because it, let's say they, they go seven in, or six and six and two in these last eight, uh, which is a, a tall task, but one that they'll have to complete if they want to make the NCAA tournament um, and make a nice run in the Pac-12 uh, tournament in Vegas. That's probably the only way they, they have a path. But w- what do you guys think about that? Do you think there's a way they make it? I think there absolutely is a way. Like you said, they this team can get hot at the right times and they can win big games. And I think coming down the stretch, a loss at a very talented Arizona school is forgivable. I think what really hurts was the losses earlier in the year to Central Utah or Utah Valley. Yeah, Utah and th- th- those are the ones that, that really hurt. They, can they overcome Zero it? Nine. Yeah, th- those losses. Can they overcome it? Technically, yes. I I think it, it's a long uphill road with still a lot of pretty solid teams left on the schedule. But solid teams left on the schedule means chance to prove yourself. And I think if they can win some of these big games that they have left, the UCLA's, the USC's, then they can maybe afford a third-round exit in the Pac-12 championship. If not, they're going to need to run the table in Vegas. Yeah, so they got they got ASU, USC, and UCLA next. You have to imagine they got to go two and one in those, and then pretty much run the table against the Washington schools, Oregon State, Cal, and Stanford. Which I think they can go five and zero. Oh. Like they're better than all five of those teams, but they lost to Stanford earlier in the year, so anything can happen, as we've said. But I do think they got to go two and one in the next three. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we were saying before the show, this team can beat anybody, 
but they can lose to anybody. So this next stretch will be really interesting to see. I feel like they never really play well when they're down in the desert, but coming off that loss against Arizona, hopefully they'll be able to go into Tempe and get a win, and then uh, the USC and UCLA games are going to be huge, Those both back-to-back home games, and then UCLA is ranked, so that'll be a chance. Yeah, but we've seen UCLA falter recently, so I think there is an opening there to grab a win, um, and that would be a big win. Let's move on to football. Um, I think, you know, National Signing Day happened last week, and earlier over winter break, we had a lot of a lot of uh, guys sign at Oregon. Brady was really on that for us. So, Brady, just really quick summary on some of the guys that Oregon got. Yeah, um, Oregon had a really good day. Uh, they did very well, or it did very well recruiting in Arizona. Um, Oregon landed three of the top ten recruits in the state. Uh, Maury Washington, Cole Martin, Mikhail Gardner. They'll all be here next year. They also did very, very well in California. The Ducks added three of the top ten from that state as well. Jurion Dickey um, is a wide receiver who's been raved about. Mateo Ungalele, I'm sure I'm pronouncing that wrong, but he's coming, and Dalen Austin. Um, so some big names coming for the Ducks. Uh, flipping the quarterback from... From Baylor, I think I think you covered that one, mm-hmm. but that that was a really big flip right there too. And honestly, they they landed a big guy from I know I'm Colorado I know I'm a Colorado guy and I know that uh-huh. I'm that I'm biased there, but they landed the number one player from Colorado, and he was a linebacker on or sorry an, an edge rusher on Cherry Creek who has won the last four sh- state championships. So I mean this dude can play, um, and they got the number one ranked player by 247 Sports from Colorado, Hawaii, and Idaho. So they've got some big names, and there's some guys coming to a lot of defense. That was that was kind of the pattern we noticed. A lot, a lot, a lot of defense. Mm-hmm. A lot of edge rushers, which with what we saw last year with the Ducks defense is something that we need. A lot to be desired. Yeah, they also just got Roderick Pleasant, who's a four-star corner from Southern Carolina, to kind of California. put a bow on this. From Southern California. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's good. That was the, an area of need. I'm a little worried about the O-line because I know they got a lot of guys headed out, uh, also bringing in a new OC, but uh, this team will definitely be able to compete. Um, and I, I know some people were worried about like a drop-off in recruiting after Cristobal left, but Lanning has showed that there has been no drop-off at all. This They can still pull in big guys. I think it's an uh, interesting point that Brady brings up with just California and Oregon's been able to really consistently recruit from there. Um, I saw a tweet that said, like, how have they gotten, like, the best guys from California every year? Just some UCLA guy saying, like, they're getting pleasant. They got cave on. Like, it's just they, they're they recruiting really well from California when you have two big schools who have now moving into the Big Ten. So, mm-hmm. yeah. They've been doing and, a lot of work in Texas, too. Yeah. And that's why I think people are choosing Oregon. These These recruits are choosing Oregon because these schools are going to the Big Ten. Now that we're getting the expanded playoff. It's going to be a lot harder for USC and UCLA to make this 12-team playoff when they're competing in a conference with Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, Penn State, all those powerhouses. I think the top teams in the Pac-12, the top dogs right now, are going to look even better once UCLA and USC leave. And Oregon is going to be one of those top dogs where if you want to play football on on the West Coast... Oregon's going to be one of the most desirable options. Mm-hmm. What about some of these transfers? Were there any big transfers that you guys liked? I know they got Jordan Birch, the edge rusher from South Carolina, who I think will pair nice with um, with Dorless. Uh, they got some other linebackers, Justin Jacobs. Yeah, Iowa. I was going to say him. Yeah, I, I like uh, a Johnny Cornelius, the the offensive lineman. They got they got two offensive linemen. I think they got another one as well. It's just because they they're losing a lot of those guys, so just beefing up the offensive line, but. Oregon d- usually does well in the transfer market. So, yeah, I, I think there's a good, some good guys there for sure. Justin Flo, though. What are we, 
what are we going to do without him? Yeah, what are we going to do without him running down the field and hitting his helmet on kickoff? Like, it, it, he might have had more targeting calls in his career than tackles. I yeah. think that he he more was like a, yeah, games played. Yeah, he he's a big name, and so it's a bummer. But I think in the grand scheme of things, he's not one of the guys that I think is they're going to miss on defense. I think the biggest name no. they're going to miss on defense is Christian Gonzalez, yeah. and then one after that is Noah Sewell. Mm-hmm. I'm not worried about the transfers, and I'm excited about who's coming in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also, uh, they got Evan Williams, Bennett Williams' Bennett's school bro, brother, yeah. and, and Bennett said that he's almost more athletic than than he is. So, I mean, I think they should be excited. Evan's a hard-hitting safety um, with range, and I think he might be a little smaller than Bennett is, but I, he's he'll definitely fill in and get some playing time in the back end. Um, Junior Ang- Anglau, that's the other linemen from Texas. So, yeah, they got two two big linemen, some defensive players. So, yeah, did well in transfer for sure. Um, the, yeah. They also lost uh, Dante Thornton but got Treshawn Holden, the Alabama yeah. receiver. So that was a nice kind of swap there, mm-hmm. I think. And they got some offensive linemen too. Um, the former Texas offensive lineman, Junior Angilu, is coming. He was a former four-star recruit in the class of 2018 and then former Rhode Island offensive lineman, Ajani Cornelius. So if – we, we're going to be losing some guys on offense, but if we can bring guys in and put them under the same, somewhat the same offensive system we had last year, I know there's a new coordinator now, but uh, for the most part, quarterback, running back, wide receivers are going to stay fairly steady. I agree. So we got the spring game announced coming up on April 29th, um, but more importantly, we have the schedule drop. Um, Oregon's non-con is Portland State, Texas Tech, and Hawaii. So not as tough as last year's, obviously, with Georgia, no, Georgia. And, and BYU, BYU even, was, too. Was, no um, but it, it, the first five games for Oregon look pretty beneficial towards a hot start. Um, yeah, what are some of these things you guys are looking at from the schedule? And why don't we go around and if we could circle one game on the schedule, what would you circle? Easy. USC. Their last game in the Pac-12, uh, home game, that'll be late in the year. That'll be November. That one's going to be huge, especially because you said, you know, this, the schedule early on is pretty easy. And we've talked about how Oregon teams in the past usually drop one of those, and then they're playing catch-up the rest of the year. So that'll be big. They also got some road games that are going to be tough. you going into Seattle to play the Huskies, going into Utah. You know, Rice-Eccles is a really tough place to play. But they're also home for the Civil War this year against Oregon State. So they're definitely going to be... That'll be a revenge game. I I think it is it, it is a pretty favorable schedule, but I, I'll I'll do it again. I'll be the Colorado guy. Dion Sanders' first game in the Pac-12, right here at Austin Stadium. That's right. That's the game I'm circling. That's the one I'm excited for. There's a lot of excitement surrounding the Colorado program right now. There's a lot of media surrounding the Colorado program right now. I think I think it's going to be a fun one when Dion gets here and realizes, hey. Oregon came to play. Yeah. Pac-12 is Pac-12 is significantly different. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with what you're saying about some tough some tough road games, mm-hmm. but I think that you're going to have that every year, and I think that you're able to trade the Washington and Utah away games for the USC and Oregon State home games. Mm-hmm. Oregon State's going to be better. Yeah. USC is still going to be solid. I kind of see Utah taking a step back, actually. Uh-huh. So like, we know that it'll be a tough road game, but... Well, I don't know. I felt like last season's road games were really easy. I mean, what was the most difficult one? Was it Washington State? Wazoo. (laughs) Yeah. That's not a road game. Oregon State? Yeah. 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 No, you're right. Yeah. Under construction. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, it'll be be interesting. I I think, yeah, there's going to be a lot of question marks, new OC, new O-line. 
uh, bringing in some other transfers. But the Texas so, Tech game is intriguing too. Um, as far as the well, non, you know who the quarterback is, right? Is it Shuck? It's Shuck. Well, he was benched. Really? Yeah. We'll He's going to be starts. start. Well, okay, but e- even that aside, Texas Tech every year seems to be one of those teams that's like, you can beat us, but you're going to have to score 50 to yeah. do it. We're, we're beatable, but you're going to have to come out firing on offense. And only the second game of the season with a new offensive coordinator, that's going to be something to watch. Can this offense come out explosive in the beginning part of the year? That's fair. And Oregon does tend to be, uh, its offenses tend to be behind its defenses to start the years. The, the game that I'm circling is Oregon State. You can't lose to the in-state rival three years in a row. You just can't. And Th- two, three years. Three years in. They beat him two years ago. All right, well, you can't lose to the in-state rival two years in a row. Um, and that's the game that's probably going to decide if they if they go to the playoff or whatever because it's the last game of the season. Oregon State's good. They, they got uh, Ugalele's brother coming in now. And that was what we were saying. Like, they were a quarterback away last year because their quarterback play was awful, and they still had a 10-win season. Mm-hmm. So... They'll be a good team. Also, this is something that just uh, clicked with me. The Herberts last year, we all remember that loss to Arizona State. Wasn't that the second to last game on the road? Yeah, in yeah. Tempe, and they were the same. Were, it was basically a clincher for yeah playoff. deja vu. Because because Saturday, November eighteenth, second to last, they're they're at ASU once again, where uh, our old friend Dillingham yeah. is now the head coach. Yeah. Okay, so so it's 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 way off in the future. Mm-hmm. We understand this, but. You got twelve games. What's their record? I've got them at eleven and one. I don't know. I'm a cynic. I'll go ten and two. Ten and two. Yeah. Which 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 ones do they lose? Washington. Uh, and one Utah? of those road games is going to be a loss. Yes. Um, yeah, I could see. I could see maybe Washington again. Mm-hmm. And then, dude, I, th- I feel like they beat USC at home. I do too. Um, they're going to do something. They're going to lose to Cal or like maybe Dion. Who knows? I don't know. <laughs> I've been an Oregon fan for too long to. To buy into, I'm gonna have to see it to believe it. Yeah. I, I don't know, man. On on paper, the offense was was really good last year. You've got Bo Nix coming back, it's gonna be healthy. I think again. you have to assume they lose one of the away games. Yes, and, and that's and that's, that's the one I'm putting. Them. I, I think I think you lose to Washington. I think Penix coming back is is scary. And Washington was a 10 win team. They went down and kind of handed it to Texas in the Alamo Bowl. Washington is a good football team, and going to Husky Stadium is gonna be a tricky one. And I. I think that's the one that Oregon loses. But other than that, could be Oregon State. Could be Oregon State. That one, nah. That Autzen following the loss. I, I think. I think. Or I think Oregon State is the game that they're fourth likely likely to lose. I think it's Washington, and then it's USC, and then it's Utah, Stanford, and then it's Oregon. Stanford. I mean, two years. What scares the, you about Stanford? The fact that it's in Stanford. No. Yeah. Okay, I think like. History would say that Oregon drops a weird game, like a trap game or something. So then I'm gonna put them at ten and two because I do think they drop one of those Washington or Utah games. But I I think they like they have the talent to go eleven and the schedule to go eleven and one for sure. Huh. New New Year, I guess. I mean, it, it felt like when we did the podcast last year, I was the I was the cynic, I was the <laughs> pessimist, I was the one that was calling them out here. I I've got them at eleven and one. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's move on from college football onto the NFL uh, just for a moment. Uh, Super Bowl coming up. Uh, we got the Eagles. We got the Chiefs. Can both teams lose? <laughs> we got we got the earthquake game. We got the Master and we got the Apprentice. Andy Reid versus Nick Sirianni, and we got we got the Kelsey brothers. You know that's going to be uh, publicized it's a lot. I saw in their podcast. They're like, if you didn't know, we're playing in the Super Bowl against one another. If that hasn't been told to you enough, they're like, we hate it. It's just all over the news. Just the Kelsey brothers. Yeah. Um, 
But they're fun. Their podcast is fun. I guess, uh, what what do you guys think about the Super Bowl? What are some of your thoughts on it? Well, well also, it's it's a big Super Bowl for the three of us in this room. Because we finally, as Broncos and Chargers fans, get to come together and root against the Chiefs. Go Bird. This is a monumental game. My dad's also from Philly, so I do want to. There you go. This is uh-huh. a monumental game. The Daily Emerald Sports Podcast. <laughs> we have a common enemy. Fly, Eagles, fly. I don't. I think the Eagles are going to win. That I just think mm-hmm. they are a really strong all-around team. Uh, I, I think Hurts is. He's looked. He hasn't looked hurt at all. Hurt, okay, yeah. He hasn't looked <laughs> injured at all um, after missing the last few games of the regular season. Their running game looks really good. Uh, Devonta Smith came on at the end of the year. Dallas Goddard is healthy now, and he's he's going to have a big day because the Chiefs give up a lot of passes to the tight end position. I just think they're a well-rounded team, and I I know it's tough because like. They've had a really easy road. Like they got, like a uh, injured quarterback position against the Niners and Daniel Jones, and like it's tough to take anything from those games. But I just think that like they they blow they blew two good defenses out of the water, and and I just think they're the strongest team. And I do think Mahomes is still gonna be hobbled. What do you got, Brady? I know we're kind of aligned on this one. Yeah, I I, I think it's the Chiefs, unfortunately. Yeah. I've seen enough of these games. Patrick Mahomes always seems to have a vintage moment that makes you go, "Dude, what the hell?" Yeah. I mean, I I was at I went to the Broncos Chiefs game uh, in Denver in December where he kind of grenade passed. And I was like, "This this guy just has a way to do this every year." And I said the same thing about Brady. I'm done betting against Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs. He just especially finds a way to especially get it I mean the Chiefs I, are always really good off the bye too. They're getting another—I mean, just look at the coaching gap. I mean, are you going to take Andy Reid, who's been coaching in this league, what, 20 years, has a Super Bowl under his belt, or Nick Sirianni, who was a, a special teams coach, like, two years ago? Or right. Off, a- yeah. And and they're good at playing from behind because I saw, I saw some stat the other day. It was like, Patrick Mahomes has three game-tying or go-ahead drives with less than a minute left in the playoffs in his five-, six-year career. No other quarterback in NFL history has more than one. So, what else does he need to do? Yeah, if if Philly can continue to run the ball well and just keep Mahomes on the sideline as long as possible, because we know the Chiefs' defense isn't great. They're okay, but yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. Chris Jones is also just playing at an unbelievable level right now. The Chiefs' run game also with Isaiah Pacheco is firing on all cylinders. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with I'm with I just I'm just done. Yeah, I just I just think like the Eagles offense just looked a step ahead of San Francisco, which is one of the best defenses in the league. Like every play, it's also in Philly freezing. Like that's fair, but I also I also think that like there were so many plays the Chiefs could have given that game up, and it, it, I know it's against the Bengals, but they've been like that all year, just dicking around and like and giving up games at the end, and it, like they did that to the Broncos, they were doing it to the Jaguars. Like this is the Super Bowl, though, and, and I think the Eagles are a better team. I just think they're straight up well, more well rounded than the Chiefs are. I hope you're right. I really well, do. Here's what I'm excited about. I just got on ESPN, and I am I'm a sucker for that little ESPN wheel of the matchup predictor mm. that says which I think the Eagles have, are favored. Are they not? Fifty yeah. percent. To 50%. I've never wow. seen the wheel exactly split like this before. Now, the line is one and a half for the Eagles. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to just the ESPN matchup predictor wheel, 50-50. I've never seen that and before. And I think... I'm, that's exciting. Here's the take. I think it's going to be a lower scoring game than people might think it will be. I'm thinking like 21-17 ballpark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I no, I, I think we're going to see another Oregon-Washington matchup where 
it starts off kind of slow yeah. and then it, and then there and then you you go and you refill your chips and you walk back and there's been three touchdowns yeah since well, you left. also chiefs are wearing white and the last 15 of 18 super bowls have the away team all right this is that's stuff i kind of like broncos were the ho- the broncos were the home team in but super bowl 50 white. but they wore white yep. intentionally i don't think but, well yeah that's the well the orange is the orange could, the orange is the curse right the, well, they won when they beat Green Bay in the '90s. They were blue. They've never won a Super Bowl. All right, we're not before. getting into the Bronco talk. Let's okay. let's Sean Payton move on to one thing. Let's ride. The things I do want to hear are these white these white colored jersey bets. Just what is your favorite bet for this game, Brady? I'm going to go to you first if you have one prepared. Oh man, I, I think actual actual bet Chiefs money line. It's not bad because because it's plus money right now. Yeah, as much as I don't like the Chiefs, it's it's Chiefs plus money line. I'm looking for I'm looking for some Gatorade bets. One thing that I do think I didn't know what this was before before looking at it. Will there be an octopus? Do you know what that is? I don't. It's if a, if a player scores a touchdown and then also scores the ensuing two point conversion, and that's plus fourteen hundred. If if what? If a player the same player like if a let's say like Ooh. like Marquez Valdez Scantling scores it, it'll a touchdown. Be Kels. Yeah, yeah, let's say Kelsey scores a touchdown. If the Chiefs go for two and he also gets a two point conversion, it's called an octopus plus fourteen hundred. It's not bad. That's fun. I like that. What about uh, power outages? Are you guys taking the over or the under on that? Since uh, one power outage. I don't nah. see that. Do you see that on here? My, my, my family, every year, we, we, have, we, do, we do this fun thing. We get a whole sheet, and we, and we print it out, and it's got, like, the most random Super Bowl thing. It's like, first play, runner pass. Who yeah. wins the coin toss? Like the team go. that win the coin toss. Yeah. Does the, the team that win the coin toss win the game? But one of my favorites, one of my absolute favorites is, does the national anthem go over two minutes? And this yeah. year it's being sung, and, and every year, every year it's close. This year it's country star Chris Stapleton. Okay, I would take that over. He over. tends to he'll drag that out. He'll drag it out a little yeah. bit. Does he have a history singing long national anthems? I, I've never heard him sing a national anthem. Then how do you know that he drags it out? Because I listen to his his, his oh, music. Oh, 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 okay. Okay. Yes, he's he's, right. got, he's got some great. Without songs. looking, I want you to guess what the favor is for for color of Gatorade. Clear yellow. It's orange. It's, oh. Plus three fifty. Clear is at plus five hundred. It's I don't know why it's orange. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, another good one is like, is the, uh, we we always change it up for who's doing the halftime show. But it it like one year it was maybe Bruno, but it was like will Bruno Mars come out starting his halftime show in a hat, <laughs> or it'll be like will will Katy Perry come out in sequence? And so what is it going to be for okay. Rihanna this year? Is it's it Rihanna. Is okay, it going to so, be an umbrella? So, <laughs> definitely, like definitely. No, so so that one would be like, does Rihanna's dress? Have sequence. Okay, yeah, yeah. I probably. I would say it's like, does the team that that scores first win the game? Will there be a touchdown of over forty yards? And this year, I'd say absolutely. Who do you think? I don't, I'm not sure it matters. Some someone will find a AJ. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Some someone will hit one of those long, long touchdown mm-hmm. passes. I could see MVS. Someone will oh, break I thought run. this one was funny. I was watching a, an Instagram video on BR betting, and it was like uh, opening kickoff to be a touchback or not. And they and they and they took it out. This was like a, a previous Super Bowl. Yeah, the guys were going crazy because it's like the first play of the game, and yeah. it's like it. I don't know. I feel like it's usually a touchback, but it's usually a touchback. Yeah. Touchbacks are just becoming more common. Yeah. So you're in the dome there too in Arizona, so you're not gonna have wind. Opening kickoff return for a touchdown plus ten thousand. <laughs> yeah. So so for, so for those of you so for those of you that don't understand betting, that means that if you put a hundred dollars on that, you would lose a hundred dollars because that's not that's uh, not gonna happen. Fair. Okay. Um. That's that's enough of that. Not all of us are twenty one, so I don't know why we talked about that for a long time. But I guess Psh. just real quick, just what have you thought about the playoffs overall? 
I think last uh, the, the conference championship one terrible game one one good game uh a lot of referee controversy uh yeah what have some, some of your thoughts been overall it was a bizarre year just because I think especially in the NFC where who were the final four QBs Jalen Hurts Dan- Dan- Brock Purdy Daniel, Daniel Jones. Jones and Dak yeah I mean that's just yet Stafford Brady Rogers weren't there yeah. I don't think anybody could have predicted so uh, I, I enjoyed it. I felt like for every close game, there was a blowout to offset it. But, I mean, yeah, I was excited. Brady, what do you, I thought it was exciting. I was thrilled going into it. I thought there were a lot of really cool storylines. The wild card round, I was thrilled about because there were one, two, three division games. We're not talking about one of these games. D- division games within the, within the, right. the playoffs. I was so excited. And the first round gave us some good games. Bengals-Ravens, that was a good game. Mm-hmm. Giants-Vikings, that was a good game. Your Jacksonville Jaguars, Jacks Jacksonville Ooh, Jaguars, oh. beating the Chargers when down 27 to nothing. Aaron, are you hearing me right now? Their Chargers had, blew it. Wish we had Jack here. That was a great game. I was working. I was sitting at my little equipment issue desk, and I'm like, oh, 27-0. And then I go, I roam, I do my thing, I come back, and it's like, it sucked for me because I covered the men's basketball game that night. And by the time I got to my friend's place to watch the game, it was 24-0 Chargers. So I literally just watched the explosion house. Oh, That's all I got. I was I was at a I was at a at a, at a church conference and I had kind of just been like checking my phone every now and then. I saw that it was 24 nothing. I went, all right, cool Chargers, like good for you. And then I looked later and it was like 30 to 20. And I was like, okay, it's still pretty in hand. And then I went into whatever thing we were doing, and I, I, my Apple Watch buzzed, and I looked down at the text from my dad, and it just said, motherfucker. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> and, I op- and I opened my eyes, and I saw 31.30. I went, whoa. But, sorry. So, yeah. The div- I let you guys talk about it. That's great. Yeah. The divisional round had some really good games. So had some really exciting, or the wildcard round. Then we went to the divisional round. This one was a little more disappointing. I was excited for Giants-Eagles. Yeah. I was excited for Bengals-Bills, which ended up being an okay game. Cowboys Niners was gross. Chiefs Jags was the score was I, I, the, the score was closer than that game actually. I had was. the Chiefs minus nine and a half, and then the Jags kicked a meaningless field goal at the end to screw me. Mm. So thanks. I did have Jags plus eight. And a half Conf- yeah, too. conference championship games, Eagles Niners, but Bengals chill. Bengals Chiefs was pretty fun. All right, well, Brady, why don't you take us through the women's tennis uh, season, how they're going so far? I only have a few more minutes before we got to go, so why yeah. don't you take us through that? Yeah, sure. Um, it's been an exciting year for women's tennis so far. Um, it's been really interesting because there's there's only one new face on the roster this year. Um, Joe Yi Chan, she's a freshman from Georgia. She joined the team this year, but other than that, it's all the same. They're, your singles players in your one, two, three, four, and five spots are all returning. So you kind of already have that team chemistry. And I actually got a chance to talk to Joe Yi, and she goes, yeah, they took me under my under their arms, and I really feel like a part of the team. She's living with a couple of the girls on the team, and she's she's loving it. And she's been pretty good. I mean, she's undefeated so far in doubles play, um, and she's one and one in singles. She's She's been a solid part of this team. Now, they're two and two. Got off to a really good start on a hot weekend, or got off to a hot start on a weekend homestand against Portland State and Seattle. Won four nothing and six to one. Kind of feeling good. Then they went to the ITA kickoff weekend. This is a tournament that they do every year at the start of the year. Last year it didn't go well. They got beat up by Charlotte and Tulsa. This year they went and got shut out four nothing in both their matches. So that was disappointing. 
One of them was the Oak was the number fourteen Oklahoma State, so that's forgivable. And then the the Kansas loss that that one hurt because they they were in that one, just couldn't find a way to get it done. And then now returning to Eugene, five game homestand. Uh, they got Portland on Saturday, and then Iowa on the tenth, St. Mary's on the twelfth, Boise State on the seventeenth, and Fresno State on the eighteenth. So five non conference games at home with a chance to kind of. Build some more of that team chemistry before you run into a really tough Pac-12 championship or Pac-12 schedule. But this was kind of the theme last year: is Oregon would beat the teams that it was supposed to that they were supposed to beat that it was supposed to beat the Ducks. They would win those games, and then the best of the best Pac-12 teams would just kind of dominate everyone. Uh, the men's team, on the other hand, they're three and one. Haven't been following them as closely, but they went to that same ITA kickoff weekend. Uh, they beat Tulsa four to three, and then got shut out by number two Ohio State. Brady, what I'm curious about is you're like one of the only reporters at these games. It's you and usually our photographer there. So what's that experience like? Yeah, it's cool because there's a sense of familiarity. I mean, I I walk in while they're doing warm-ups, and you're right there by the courts. It's just a couple of bleachers by the courts. And so the girls, they'll look over to see who's in, who's in the crowd, whatever, who's there, and they'll see me in... They don't know me by name, but they'll, they you have that appreciation nod of the, hey, I recognize you. I know you. Um, and actually, I've had a lot of conversations with some regular fans. So there's these two ladies that sit in front of me. They're there at every match. And I've had good opportunities to talk to them, kind of get to know them. I've also noticed a lot of the officials tend to be repeaters. Um, so I'm wondering if that's just like... A local thing that you just find people from the area but that might be a cool thing I might try to talk to one of them see see what that looks like um, and then talking to players and coaches after the match is, is is really cool because last year you could tell that they weren't necessarily used to having media there so when it was hey this is the SID says hey this is Brady he's gonna talk to you it was kind of a what I don't okay but now I've built that rapport and coach and I will just joke around before matches, after matches. Um, it's it, it's it's really cool to, to that's awesome. feel like a part of it. That's team. awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's all we have for you guys today. Um, we're gonna hopefully try and bring on Mojo next week. He's our baseball expertise um, and co-editor. Uh, so we got a lot of spring sports starting. Uh, baseball and softball start next week. I think softball's in Mexico actually, which seems pretty cool. Oh. Um, when we got women's tennis, men's tennis. Uh, track and fields coming up soon so yeah there's a lot of sports starting we're gonna try to get mojo on and some other people to to talk about those other sports but thanks thank you guys for tuning in and we'll see you next week go eagles <laughs>